0: but would like to support this ministry, please visit our website at reformedholytrinity.org. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be talking about the whole chapter, but we're only going to read one verse. Actually, not the whole verse, but we're only going to read verse number 3. But we will be speaking about the whole chapter here this morning. Because on this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter day, it is very important that we understand what is being communicated here in verse number 3 by the Apostle Peter when he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the word of the Lord and it is eternally true, both this verse and the rest of this chapter that we will be referencing here this morning. Here in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter introduces himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He addresses this letter to the elect who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for, in other words, the purpose of that. The purpose of God's choosing, according to his foreknowledge, and the reason for his sanctifying work of the Spirit is for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling with his blood. And then he goes on into this doxology concerning the living hope that we possess through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The disposition that Peter is expressing is that, is what is to be inherent in believers, also called Christians. So this is what is to be inherent in us as believers. And so this is what the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, is working to produce in us this disposition, these characteristics. These are the character traits of those who believe in Jesus Christ. Notice, it is a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not an academic hope. It is not a theoretical hope. It is not a romanticized hope. It's definitely not a disbelief, a dislike, a distrust, a doubt, a fear, a despair, a discouragement, or pessimism. It is a living hope. Faith. Without works is dead, James says, and therefore it does not produce a true living hope. At best it's simply academic, which would actually be an improvement for our day and age. Right? Uh, because we don't even have an academic faith anymore. But what we but we need to understand this is that any dead faith. Faith. Any dead hope is not a living hope. And that's why. That is why the church is not alive. That is why the gospel is not alive. That's why it's not active in engaging the world. It's the reason why righteousness is not alive. The reason why there's destruction and death. Decay, decline, deconstruction is because we're dead. You see, a dead hope does not live by faith. A living hope lives by faith. Devin read a passage from Psalm there this morning, something that was very helpful for me years ago, going through a lot of different things. And that concept of I shall not die but live. That was a faith. That was a living hope in God. And that's what we need today. Easter proclaims to Christians that we have a living hope. So as a result, faithlessness or weak faith produces a sickness in the heart. It produces despair. Proverbs thirteen twelve, and you know we couldn't make it very long without focusing on this in 2023, right? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so that is where we are at today, which is the reason why I emphasize the point often, because we live in a world where hopelessness and despair abound. Many people feel lost, confused and defeated by the trials of life, and that's just the Christians. It's even way worse out in the rest of the world. Go to the major cities and look on the side of the streets. Get on YouTube and Goog- and, and not Google. <laughs> Get on YouTube and search for a video of the streets of San Francisco or the streets of Philadelphia. It's scary. You see, we are in a world of hopelessness and despair because we have lost a living hope. We have lost the living hope that Christians are supposed to possess and that the church is supposed to take into the whole world. And the whole world now is drowning in despair and hopelessness. And where's the hope of the world? Where's the hope of the world? We got crazy people looking to AI and technology and humanism and all the craziness that abounds in those realms. Because they're looking for hope but where's the hope of the world see we live in a hopelessness and despair and despair in america because christians live there you see christians are the people who are supposed to be the hope of the world Not because of anything inherent in us. No, 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 no. We are sinners saved by grace that God is using to reach other sinners. Not because of anything inherent in us, but because Christ, the hope of glory, is in us. And how can we contain Christ in us? How can... How can we do that? How do we do that? Christ, who is the hope of the world, but we domesticating for this woke world that we are living in. How do we do that? I would suggest it's largely because the church in America has a dead faith. Because if Christ was living Throughout Christianity here in America, there would be no ability to contain him. He is the hope of glory. But Peter is pointing out that hopelessness should never be a characteristic or a disposition of Christians. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes this. He says, talking to Gentiles... And he says, therefore, remember that you, who were once Gentiles in the flesh, in other words, those of you who were not Jews, but you were called by the Jews, the uncircumcision, the unbelievers. And he says, and at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. And then he gives this description Of them. Those who are without Christ, those who are aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and those who are strangers from the covenants of promise, he says, at that time you had no hope and without God in the world. Having no hope and without God in the world. He describes that as being the disposition of unbelievers. But then he says this, But now, you were once that, but now in Christ Jesus, you, one, you want, who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In 1 Timothy 1, in Paul's introduction, he's talk, you know, he's referencing himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. In Colossians one twenty-seven, he says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, you were once without hope, but now you're not. Because you have the hope of glory living in you. The risen, crucified Lord. Therefore, my job this morning on this Easter Sunday, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, is to admonish you to, according to Hebrews 10.23, to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he is faithful who promised. As Christians, we have a living hope that sustains us even through the darkest of times. This hope is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hear the words of God revealed in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. See, we do not have a dead hope. We do not have simply an academic hope. We have a living and powerful hope because it is a hope that comes from God. It is a divine hope. World try to contain that. So my question is this, why are we without hope? First of all, why are we without hope when? First, in in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, we find that our hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Notice what Peter says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Notice we have been born again. We have been begotten. We were once the uncircumcision. We were once the Gentiles. We were once without Christ. We were once without hope. But now we have been born again to a living hope. This is the characteristic of what it means to believe in Jesus. Jesus said "Verily, ver-, to Nicodemus, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit Marvel not that I said unto you that you must be born again. The Apostle John says in his first chapter of his gospel about Jesus coming to be the Savior of the world. He's talking about those whom he came to save. He says, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And James says it this way, he says, of his own will, God's own will, he begot us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, we have been born again to a living hope. It's the reason why God reached down and rescued us because we were without hope. And he has made us alive in hope. That's what the resurrection of Jesus Christ is all about. Hope! In the old days, when we had more of a practicing kind of Christianity, um, they would walk through uh, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, coming to finally, I mean, go through all the different things with Palm Sunday, And another day, Spy Wednesday, sometimes called Holy Wednesday, when he was betrayed by Judas. And then Maundy Thursday, when he instituted his supper, but also issued his new commandment. And then, on Good Friday, his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion. And then they would bring these services and these devotionals to the end of that event on Good Friday and just be done. The darkness of it. Jesus Christ is dead. Jesus Christ has been buried. His tomb has been sealed. Well, we know the reaction of the disciples was fear, doubt. And then going through the vigil on Saturday, keeping watch over his tomb. That's hopeless. There, when Christ was crucified, all of his followers had no hope. even on the road to Emmaus, even when there was word spreading that something was happening, two of his disciples were walking along and said, we thought that he was going to be the one to deliver Israel. See, they weren't thinking that anymore. But then, come Sunday... On that glorious day, when he arose from the tomb, he arose victoriously. He was victorious over sin. He was victorious over death. He was victorious over the grave. And that is our hope. And we have been born again to a living hope. A hope that is alive because Jesus Christ is alive. But yet we act and live as if he's dead. It's a living hope. The just shall live by faith. But this hope is not acquired, it is received. And that's some of our problem today. For a long period of time... In recent decades, we have went on this assumption that this hope is acquired. That somehow we can muster up enough merits. That somehow we can do enough good works. That somehow we can create enough faith in us. We can talk ourselves into it. But notice this is not a hope that is acquired. It is received. We have been begotten again. We have been born again. We were dead in trespasses and sins, and the dead cannot raise itself up. It's only by God's mercy and grace that by His Spirit He can spiritually breathe into our nostrils the breath of life. It's a hope that is received, it's not acquired. And so we see this exemplified, and I know we use this or we use this over and over again, when Jesus was talking about the Pharisee and the publican, and the publican was listing out his resume before God. In other words, The Pharisee was attempting to approach God based upon how good he was. Here's my resume. These are all the wonderful things that I do. But yet, the publican understood something that the Pharisee did not. And that is, God's mercy and grace is received. Therefore, he prays, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Why? Because it's not acquired, it's received. In Ephesians 1.17, Paul says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you. James talks about every good and perfect gift comes from above. Right? Right? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you. This is what he was praying on behalf of the Ephesians for. That God would give unto them the spirit of of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul writes, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power of That works in us. Paul says to the Philippians. For it is God. Who causes you to will and do. After his good pleasure. You see. It is a power that is working in us. Because we receive it. We can read Ephesians chapter 2. And there in them first 10 verses. It is abundantly clear. That grace is something. Grace and faith is something that you receive. By the mercy of God. The God who is rich in mercy freely gives. But that's the thing. He gives, we receive. We have attempted to approach God on our own merits. We have attempted to acquire our way to heaven. No differently than those who tried to build that tower. It's back in the book of Genesis. Genesis. This hope, though, that Peter is talking about is unto an incorruptible and undefiled inheritance that is eternal and reserved in heaven by God for us. Because this hope is divine and not of man, it is kept by the power of God. It is given and it is kept secure by God's power. You see, even if you could acquire it, you couldn't keep it. Right? Because it is kept by the power of God. We understand then that it is the same power. The power that is rich in mercy. And freely gives unto all those who call upon him. Is the same power power that keeps it where no man can pluck us out of his hands it's the same power that raised up christ you see our understanding of this grace that we receive this hope our understanding of that testifies of what we believe about god's power in the resurrection of christ You see, this power that raised up Christ is the same power of the hope that we profess as Christians. And it is actually by and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we can have that hope. Our hope is actually based upon our understanding and belief in the resurrection Of Jesus Christ. So if we don't have a living hope. It's because we don't believe in a risen Savior. If we don't believe in a living Savior. You can't have a living hope. But anyway. What we notice first of all here is that our hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul says in Romans 4:25 that Jesus was delivered for our trespasses and he was raised again for our justification. His death, burial and resurrection is our salvation. What we believe about his death, burial, and resurrection reflects upon our faith. What you believe about the death, burial, and resurrection proclaims the type of faith you have or do not have. Secondly, notice in verses 6 through 9 that our hope is tested by trials. Yeah, it's easy to proclaim a hope, but it doesn't work this way. You can try to be as woke as you want to be, but God doesn't work on wokeness. So you know what that means? Your faith is going to have to be proven to be genuine. We used to talk about this in the church whenever we talked about church membership, and here was a phrase a credible profession and evidence of salvation right it 's a testing to show genuineness they just don't they just didn 't tell Roberts like hey man we want you we want you to be on our team and so here you go here's some dress blues so that way you know maybe you can uh, catch the eye of a girl somewhere. There you go. So there you go. You're a Marine. No. What did they do? They tested them to find out if they were going to truly be a Marine or not. Our faith is going to be tested. Our hope is tested by trials. Notice in verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for uh, a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials You see, trials prove the genuineness of our hope. Paul makes some interesting statements in Romans chapter 8. In verse 20, he says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. And then he says in verse 24, For we are we saved in this hope. Who subjected it? God. How did he subject it? In hope. And we are saved by that hope, Paul says. And therefore, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We are going to have our faith tested by trials. It's what proves whether it is genuine or not. Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And we need to recapture that mindset, right? People enlist to become Marines, and what are they saying? Bring it on. I want to be a Marine. I am a Marine. Bring on the trial and the testings so I can prove myself. See, our faith is tested through trials. Therefore, it is more precious than gold. Gold, of course, will perish. Wealth will perish. All the things that we glory in will perish, but what is more precious than any of that is this hope that we have in Jesus Christ. You see, our faith is more precious than gold that perishes because the fulfillment of this hope is the salvation of our souls. Therefore, we should be, at the very least, right, we should be a little more accepting, of the whole idea of our trials and testings to prove the genuineness of our faith? Don't we all want to know if our faith is genuine or not? Don't we want our faith to be genuine? Well, it's through trials. It's through testings that not only does it prove its genuineness, but it produces something that is more precious than gold. Notice, thirdly, in verses 10 through 12, that our hope is fulfilled by the gospel. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was with, who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow to them. It was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy spirit sent from heaven things, which angels desired to look into. So the prophets foretold the sufferings of Christ and the glories that were to follow, but also, there is this reflection going on in Peter's statements as it reflects on the prophet's search and inquiry into salvation in the promises of God that was to come and how it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but future generations. And isn't that what Jesus did? In his sufferings for past and future generations. And isn't that the example that we are to follow to partake in Christ's sufferings? See, the gospel brings salvation to those who believe, but salvation has a cost. There had to be suffering before there was resurrection. Therefore, the prophets looked in hope. They suffered in hope. Christ suffered in hope for the glories to come. And if we have this hope, we should follow the sufferings of Christ for the glory that is to come. Hebrews chapter 11 it is said of all those being listed there that by faith by faith by faith by faith they did this and this and this and this and all the great wonderful things and stories that we read about and we should remember that yeah those were the Old Testament saints too by the way I wonder if they would ever write a hall of faith for us think uh, for Christians in 2023 that history will record by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith? Probably not, right? Because faith is hope. But it says, these all died in faith. Trusting God, hoping in God. They died in hope. Not having received the promises yet. But having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them And embrace them and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And then fourth, our hope is lived out in holiness in verses 13 through 16. And so Peter says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And let's pause there for one second. Notice what he says. Rest your hope fully On the grace that is to be brought to you at the the revelation of Jesus Christ. And how are we to do that? By being obedient children. Not conforming ourselves to the former lusts as in our ignorance. But as he called you as holy. You also be holy in all your conduct. For it is written. Be holy for I am holy. You see we are called to be holy as God is holy. If we have this hope in us. John the Apostle wrote, every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as Christ is pure. See, we are called to be holy as God is holy. Why? Because Jesus has risen from the grave. Our hope should motivate us to live obediently. See, our hope is the foundation for our conduct in this life. And once again, we can take measurements. When we are told to examine ourselves, when we come to the Lord's table to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we are told to examine ourselves. Well, we can examine ourselves by taking measurement. And what we can do is we can measure the conduct of our life, and it will tell us the strength of our faith. This is why Paul says, having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And then fifth, our hope is secure in the faith of Jesus Christ in verses 17 through 21. And if you call on the father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. I'm going to pause there. I'm not going to read the rest of it because we're not going to say anything about the rest of this portion of Scripture. But you see, our hope is secure in the faith of Jesus Christ. It goes down by the precious blood of Christ, who is manifested for us and gave himself for us so that our faith and hope might be in God. But that faith and hope that is in God, we are told, is to be spent in some fear. One of the biggest problems we have today is that there is no fear of God anymore. Absolutely none, zero, zilch. And that's true all across the board today. There's no fear of God in society. There's no fear of God in church. We have lost any recognition that God is sovereign, that he is all-powerful, that he is over all things, that he sees all things, he knows all things. We have lost that. See, if we really believed that God was God, we would be a little more timid about sin. I'm not saying we wouldn't sin, but we would definitely be more timid about it. You see, it goes a long ways to understand the difference. See, man is a sinner, but this is a different kind of sin, right? Than this. Those are different sins different kinds of sins and so we used to have that now we have this because there is no fear of god today but we need to remember what paul said to new testament christians in romans 11 when he was talking about the jews and he said well because of unbelief they were broken off and then he says this and you Gentiles, stand by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Why? Because the same God that cut them off can cut you off. Right? What did Jesus say? Don't fear man. Who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But fear God, who is able to cast both body and soul into hell. But we don't fear God. We have no fear of God. And then notice six, our hope eternally abides in the unchanging word of God in verses 22 through 25. As he talks about we are born again, not by corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. Because the word of God endures forever. And this is the gospel that was preached to us. This is the word by which the gospel was preached to us. Paul says that whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. You say, yeah, but I, I, I don't have hope. You know what you need to do? You need to look to God's Word. This is where our, our hope is to be found. Faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the word of God, we think, oh man, if we can find just some ancient manuscript of some historian from the first century that says something about Jesus, says something about Jesus dying on a cross, or says something about the resurrection of Jesus, then, 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 then maybe we can have hope. But that's not how it comes. Yeah, those things are interesting. Those things can be helpful, But faith does not come through an academic process. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works through the Word. Paul said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Why? Because it is in the hearing of the Word of God that makes you like the publican. The publican was humbled before God, requesting, asking, seeking, knocking, begging, because he knew he was the recipient. You see, if Jesus did not die uh, raised from the dead, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that we are of all men most miserable. Paul said, when he was called before the council, he said, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called into question. It was this hope. Paul then said to the Corinthians, seeing that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. You see, when you have hope, you live it. When you have hope, you speak it. When you have hope, it is what describes you. It's your disposition, it's your character. So as we consider the living hope we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, let us be encouraged to persevere through trials and to live holy lives. Let us fix our hope on the unchanging word of God. And let us share this hope with a world that is so desperately in need of it. And may we as followers of Jesus be known for our hope, to be known for our joy, to be known for our love. As we eagerly await, look for, and work for the consummation of all things by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you would give us the kind of hope that Peter spoke of. And the kind of hope that Paul spoke of. The kind of hope that we find in your word. That only comes through the power and operation of the Holy Spirit. Lord, grant us this by your grace, in Christ's name, amen.